1: To you, Thank you all for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the first, I not want to say real episode of the AP Draft Show, but it kind of feels like it. we did a couple special episodes here, here and there throughout the season, but this is our first regularly scheduled AP Draft Show all the way through draft season. You'll hear from us every Wednesday. And by we, I mean all of my dear pals. And first, find him on Twitter at Jacob Morley. He's back. Jake Stack. What's good, my friend? Draft season in full swing.
2: Yeah. How's it going, fellow friends who lost to Tom Brady? How are we feeling?
3: Too soon. I'm oh, sad. Very sad. Why'd you bring that up? We're, we're moving on. You know it's what? onto the
2: draft, Jacob. You know what? Because last year, I would say stuff like that, and the comeback would be, yeah, well, we didn't lose to the 49ers in the playoffs, <laughs> and it made me sad all the time. And now <laughs> we can be all sad together and talk about how we can get our teams back to the mountaintop. And that's what we're going to do here today.
1: Yes, that is correct. And I will just introduce Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane, because you failed to, Jake. I know it's early for you. You'll be like week
4: five-ish, you'll be back in full swing. Maddie Lane, what's good? I mean, I was ready to jump in, but then Jake had to come on here throwing punches from the start. (laughs) And like, I, I think I want to leave now. I don't feel like I'm in a safe space. No, I'm good like everybody else here. I've kind of turned the corner. You know, the Super Bowl happened. We've moved on. And we are now focusing on the best time of year, the draft season. So, like, I couldn't be happier. Craig couldn't be happier. And he's going to tell us how happy he is right now.
3: Yeah, I I couldn't be happier because I blacked out the Super Bowl from my memory. It didn't exist. Uh, The Chiefs are in the... Super Bowl coming up next weekend, you guys. But let's talk about the draft <laughs> going into that. They're certainly going to pick 32 after they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend.
1: So, uh, draft guide is in full swing, which means Casey draft guide season is in full swing as well. The Casey draft guide is available for pre-order. You can go to gum.co slash KC draft guide 21 promo code lab lab. Gets you the draft guide for $8, bucks, 300 plus pages of Chiefs-specific draft content. Uh, the response has been awesome so far from you guys. Genuinely appreciate your kindness. We are so excited about this year's draft and uh, this year's draft guide. So it's in full swing. And so we thought first draft show of the year, we probably should give away a uh, a, a guide as well. So if you are the first person to go to gum.co slash kc guide 21 and put the number of touchdown passes that Patrick Mahomes threw in the regular season in the promo code field. If you're the first person to do that, you will win a free KC draft guide. If you are not the first person there, just go and put LAB and get it for eight bucks. There's our deal for you. Uh, We're excited about the guide and and we'll talk about some of the prospects that we have in the guide and just some of the prospects that we're really excited about uh, moving forward. But, we have a first in the history of the AP Draft Show. We have a mailbag question because someone has a question for Jake. It's great. Swanson's Buffon left a five-star review and asked, some would say we've seen Green Bay waste a lot of Aaron Rodgers' career. Not trying to put salt in the wound there, buddy. Uh, with that right or wrong going forward, with Pat from being a team building and asset managed aspect, would you err more towards giving the quarterback a better Are better weapons in protection or building a
2: defense? I mean, that's a a great question, right? Uh, And you can look back at Aaron Rodgers and basically say, okay, so Kansas City has baby Aaron Rodgers right now. How do you want the next 10, 15 years to play for him? You know, I think think Kansas City's already doing a better job with him because they've been to two. Aaron Aaron Rodgers never lost Super Bowl. He's only been to one. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Not great, Uh, but so uh, yes, I mean, so that's a, it's a good question. And you look at it from, this is how I look at it, I guess. In hindsight, it's always 2020. And for the Packers, they poured so much capital into trying to make their defense respectable and year in and year out their defense is what has been the letdown for them. And so you look at the chiefs and for what I would want to do is, yeah, my, my thing has always, always been score 100. It doesn't matter. If you score 100 points, it doesn't make a difference. If your offense is great, I wish we could go back in time and give Aaron Rodgers more weapons because in 2010, when they won a Super Bowl, that's the year that Aaron Rodgers was on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the eight dudes that he had on that offense that were incredible. And so it doesn't take anything away from Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't take anything away from Patrick Mahomes that they have all these incredible weapons. It just fortifies how stinking good they are and how untouchable they can be if you get them the right pieces and you get them the right um, assets to work with. And, you know, part of it is luck as well. I mean, look at it this year, that the chiefs, if they're healthy on the outside, if they have two starting caliber offensive tackles, we're probably sitting here talking about them being the two time Super Bowl champions, but it just didn't happen. Right. It's, it, football is a game of attrition and that, you know, the ball didn't bounce it away this year with injuries. And, and that's why the Super Bowl was so lopsided. So, What can you do to fortify that offense? Well, add depth to that offensive line. Um, Start adding pieces behind Tyreek and Kelsey because those guys aren't getting any younger. Um, Don't ever make it be, all right, we're going to try to put a defense together and then we're going to let Pat go out and be Pat and we're just going to be awesome. Like, sure, that could work, but give Pat weapons. Let him be awesome with incredible talent around him and basically let him go out and just run the show for the next 10, 15 years and be that dude um, that is throwing up these amazing, you know, vertical to the ground, triple spin Yolo balls that aren't bouncing off people's face masks. Like, <laughs> give them a guy who will catch it. You know, so um, I think that's a good question, and and I would absolutely 100% err on the side of give your playmakers more playmakers. Never have enough.
3: Hashtag score 100. The it's, the yep. entire AP draft show does not condone ignoring the defense. Just throwing that caveat <laughs> out there.
1: I'm, I'm I'm with Jake. I'm team Jake. All right. This is what I want to do this week. Uh, I want to go through... We're going to go through three categories, and we're going to give you 12 names to kind of chew on this week. We're going to give you all... Uh, a guy that we've watched this week we thought was pretty fun, like a fun guy to watch. We're going to give you an early one of our guys, a my guy from the uh, KC Draft Guide, and a guy we're all over on. So you're going to get 12 different names of some guys that a variety of different perspectives, guys are fresh in our mind, guys that are just, we're putting our My Guy stamp on them, and then guys that we kind of maybe don't like as much. And yeah, let's go there. So we're going to start with fun guys that you have watched this week. Give us a fun guy you have watched this week, Jake.
2: Yeah, today, I actually watched a corner from Northwestern named Greg Newsom, a guy that I think a lot of people are going to be hearing a lot about as we get into this process. Um, hey, any any relation to Craig Newsom? <laughs> No, he doesn't <laughs> have any relation to Craig Newsom. I was super excited because I was like, "Man, like the top four, the top five corners in this class have like fathers that played in the NFL." Uh, I thought Craig Newsom was Craig Newsom's son. Turns out he's not. Not his son. He's Turns just a, out guy he was a Craig
4: Newsom Jr. running around there. there. Is,
2: <laughs> and there is a Craig Newsom Jr. that's about to. That's like a four-star recruit coming out of high school. So. Greg Newsom does have a son who could potentially be a draft pick in the next couple of years, but it is not Greg Newsome from Northwestern. So now that we got that straighter straight away, let's talk about the kid, you know? So he is a guy at Northwestern that has never been able to stay healthy. He, I don't think he's ever played an entire season at Northwestern, but he was an all American or he was a, an athletic all American from the athletic um, in 2019. And you turn on his tape in 2019, you see why you see the, you see the length. He's a, probably a legit 6'1 guy. 190 might be, that might be an accurate weight. 190, 195, but he moves like a guy that's 5'10". I mean, his click and close is really nice. Uh, He's a really smart player. When you watch him play on, on the field, he he diagnoses um route concepts pretty pretty fluidly, and he has the athleticism to back it up. The thing that's really exciting about him, you know, from a Chiefs perspective is, is you know, Craig will talk about, You know, spags corners, guys that can play in spags system. And what's fun about Greg Newsom is he's a guy that one could be there at the end of round one. He's a kid that I think when it's all said and done, could absolutely sneak into the end of round one. And the Chiefs might be sitting there at pick 31 thinking, well, if we want to go for a corner, it's going to be this kid or there's not really much after him. His corner falls off the cliff this year. So he's a fun player to kind of daydream and think about what he would look like in Kansas City, just because he's a guy that I think is going to check a lot of boxes for them. And, you know, this is super early in the process, but April 29th rolls around. It's the end of the end of round one and Kansas City picks a Greg Newsom. I don't think I would be that surprised. Craig,
3: I have been burning <laughs> through linebackers this week. I've been trying to get through, get a game on all the linebackers that I can that are draft eligible. And a guy that came up on my list this week out of Kentucky is Jamin Davis. Jamie Davis is a one-year starter for Kentucky, but he had an ultra-productive year for them. He had 102 tackles. He had four tackles for loss. He had three interceptions. One of them was an 85-yard pick, six, and he had a blocked kick and five passes defense. So he just kind of was all over their stat sheet. He is a freak athlete. He is still learning the game. But he's a really long kid. He moves really well. He's very fast. And obviously, he can cover. You know, you get in the way of eight passes as a linebacker at the collegiate level when you're playing inside linebacker, not that overhang position that is becoming so in vogue for a lot of these cover, you know, these college teams. He's playing inside linebacker. He's getting his hands on a lot of passes, affecting the quarterbacks, throwing lanes. I think that he's going to get taken a lot higher than the chiefs are probably comfortable taking the linebacker this year, but he was a lot of fun to watch just because he's a little bit everywhere all over the map there. Matty, who you got buddy?
4: Well, I just wanted to chime in here on Jamin the Shadow Davis. Great nickname, I guess, or middle name. I don't know, by the way. But uh, I was watching Florida play for an offensive lineman who probably won't make the draft guide. And I couldn't help but watch jamming Davis on the other side. Now, when he's in his backpedal. He kind of looks like Bambi at the beginning of the movie because he's got really long (laughs) legs. Anytime he changes direction, they like flail out to the side, but somehow he still moves really well. And he's a guy you can't watch Kentucky's defense and not have your eyes drawn to him. He really does just move differently than other SEC players. So he's a guy that you're going to see his name pop up a lot, I'm sure, going forward.
3: Yeah, and throw in real quick here. They trusted him to cover Kadarius Toney and Kyle Pitts in man and he looked pretty good doing it. So uh, it's worth noting NFL teams are going to be all over that because those are two guys with round one buzz, and here's a linebacker that was able to line up opposite them.
4: So my guy this week is... Ronnie Perkins, defensive end, edge rusher out of Oklahoma. He's listed at about 6'3", 250 pounds. So he's a little bit underneath what you would traditionally see for Steve Spagnuolo. But I do think he passes the length requirement. And then with the height, he just does make the cutoff for the Steve Spagnuolo kind of prototype at defensive end. But it's more of so how he plays that really catches your eye. If I could sum it up in one word, it would be violent Everything Ronnie Perkins does is with a purpose, and it is as violent as possible. Whether it be hitting the quarterback just after the ball is thrown, it be taking on a pulling guard completely away from the play, everything he does is done with a purpose. It's very aggressive. I absolutely love how he goes about playing the game. And then when you actually get into what he's capable of doing, he comes in he has fantastic long arm. It was everything he does in his pass rush centers around his long arm, but he has good counters. So if you catches an offensive tackle trying to lean in to match his length, he's got a really good and strong snatch that he pulls them out of the way, propels himself forward. He will run straight through. He gets a one of the best offensive tackles in this class, Tevin Jenkins, with a long arm and plants him on his back. And I don't think anybody else did that to Jenkins all year long. So I mean, he's just a super powerful rusher. Plays the run really well, and actually. Before Kent gets into his guy, I think he had a guy that uh, Bronny Perkins kind of reminded him of when he watched him.
1: Yeah, I did. And I was going to talk about Frank Clark anyway. I When I watch, some of the ways I watch, people might not like this, <laughs> just because he's very polarizing right now. The way he plays reminds me a little bit of Flint, Frank Clark. Some of his body movements and his like just the way he moves his body, but also like... Watching him like, uh, watching him try to slip some of these blocks and wa- playing his gaps and, and, and beating, pulling blockers and stuff like that, it did remind me of Frank Clark too in the run game. He's so disciplined with his run fits, and it's really, I think, pretty a, a pretty heady player, honestly. Uh, and it really manifests itself in the run game. Really good play ID, really good gap di- discipline and effort to be gap discipline. Like, there's the difference between doing your job and going. 100% effort, even in the run game, to actually execute. And he does that. And I agree with Maddie. I think he's a power player. I think everything works through his length and his arm and his, his long arm and working through the chest of a tackle. I don't know if he threatens the corner enough. For me personally, I don't think he does it all enough. He does have a little bit of ability to bend, but I don't think he's really going to threaten the corner too much as much as at the NFL level. But it may not matter because there's so much about his game that I really do like. Well, I think Um, that's the one
4: thing that keeps him from being kind of a round one player is I don't know if there is that outside kind of edge-rushing juice that's really coveted. I think there's enough there to catch an offensive tackle that is sitting on your power or that gets a little lazy But when you want a guy that really wants to run around the edge, Perkins isn't going to be the guy for you. So like, that's why the only reason you might not see him go in the top thirty-two picks. That and you know, there's a slight issue with being suspended for a few games for PED usage or something like that. But you know, no big deal.
1: You did what? It's college. It's Oklahoma. Who cares? Uh, Jake Jake put in the rundown that Ronnie Perkins
2: is Kendrick Perkins' son. Can can we confirm that he isn't? I don't know. You're going to get a quick quick Google search tells me that you're going to get you're
1: going to get the tweets off anyway, buddy. (laughs) Uh, My guy is Gary Brightwell, a running back out of Arizona. And he's, I got a fifth round grade on this guy, but man, he was so much fun to watch. I really enjoyed watching this guy play football. You watch, um, you watch a lot of running backs in the, or I I have had to watch a lot of running backs. The Chiefs aren't going to take a quarterback or a running back early, probably. And I've had to grade a bajillion of these guys. And now I'm looking at a day three running back in Gary Brightwell who you see these running backs, none of them really are able to pass protect or show any promise in pass protection. And a lot of pass protections, effort, attitude, um, just basic fundamentals. And Gary Brightwell, I think, has tremendous promise as a pass protector in the National Football League. And I think that's a trait that he can hang his hat on. And, you know, that's, that's how guys like him make it on day three, a day three running back like that. But he also has some juice too, as a runner. He's a, he's a North South minded runner. Um, he, he, Runs through arm tackles, like I mean, if you're if you're a second level to third level defender, you're not really gonna have a lot of success trying to bring this guy down once he gets ahead of steam. Um, he's got a little bit of wiggle to him. He's got some change of direction ability, um, but pass protection is something I think is really impressive with him. Something I really like about him, and I think he's a guy that gives great effort. He's physical. He wants to be physical. He plays like a big back, um, and I think he'll be a good special teams guy too. So there's a lot of value that I think a Gary Brightwell has. I don't think he's got great vision. I mean, that's not something like he's he's got pretty bad vision, frankly. But if you're talking about high effort, hard working, lunch pail kind of kind of backs, Gary Brightwell is definitely a guy 6'1", 218, big back that plays like it. All right, we're going to take a break, and we will be back to talk about some my guys and some guys we're a little bit lower on right after this. All right, we just got done talking about guys that we watched this week that we thought were pretty fun. We're gonna give you a little. We're gonna give you a little tease for the KC draft guide. We do, I believe, ten my guys every year. These are guys that we just love. We put our stamps on them because we just love them. And we're gonna e- give you each a my guy this week. Jake, who is the my guy that you want to talk about this week?
2: Oh, I've got a. I've got an early draft crush that is hinging on. The edges of Anthony Miller type type status. Oh no, for a wide receiver, and you know, Anthony Miller works out really well. Hold on a second, I was looking up his stats, and I just got like a blast of uh, highlights in my face. So, Diami Brown, the UNC wide receiver, is the kid that I'm talking about. And the thing that that bugs me, uh, that doesn't bug me, but that I don't I don't understand with him is when you have a guy, when Jalen Rager goes 21 last year, when Brandon Ayuk goes in the top 30 last year, I don't understand why Diami Brown is not being talked about as a round one wide receiver. Um, He does everything those guys did. Um, He wins in a lot of the same ways. Now, if you want to tell me, well, he's not as thick, he's not as dense as either of those guys, that's fine. He's listed at 6'1", 185, um, and he does look a little bit thin. But when you talk about just a guy that is an explosive playmaker, I mean this kid had fifty some catches the last two years and was over a thousand yards both years. He's averaging over twenty yards a catch at UNC. Um, is just a big play waiting to happen. I think with I think with time, he's a guy that can play on the outside in the NFL. I think right away you could probably use him as a guy in the slot. They got, get some get him some gadget touches, um, but he can win within his route tree. He needs to develop his route tree a little bit more, but. He's got the footwork. He's got the body control. He's got everything that I look for uh, from the wide receiver position to say, there's nothing that I don't think he can do at the next level.
1: He just, the drops. He's really got to clean up those drops. Like, that's the right. thing I noticed with him. Like, that's the big thing that str- I, I stress. Like, when I watched him, it was glaring on the drop yes. side of it.
2: And so, he he can be a little bit of a body catcher, too. But the, at the same time, like, that's why I bring up Jalen Rager. When you say, okay, if this guy can go in round one last year, why can't Dayami Brown go in round one? Because um, that was kind of his issue as well was was the drops. Um, but when you have a guy that can win the way he does, that might just be something you live with. So in 84, in 84 targets in 2019, he had nine drops. In 2020, he had 82 targets with only three drops. So 21-year-old kid getting better, working on the hands. Sky's the limit. To the moon! My guy
3: is Greg... Island prospect one in my heart prospect one in the Casey draft guide. If I have anything to say about it, Craig, Craig has been waiting so long to talk about Greg Island on the airways. He is
1: intentionally held off for a while. And it's just, I'm so happy that he's
3: getting a chance to wax poetic now, Mississippi state offensive guard, but he also played left tackle. He also played right tackle primarily left guard this season Greg Island, I said in a podcast earlier this week, I like giant offensive linemen that finish, yap all game, and are smart. Greg Island is that guy too. Now, Greg Island is not nearly as polished as Landon Dickerson. He constantly gets off balance. As the game goes along, you can tell that he gets ridiculously tired, so he has some conditioning issues, but he will toss dudes around like it's nobody's business and he is a celebrator this man has never met a first down that he will not signal in a defender's face as they are losing sometimes i mean it, he he is just a ridiculously fun watch he's one of my guys i looked at early he's a day three guy like he's not going early in this draft class I think he's got a little bit of development, get his body right. He's six eight three thirty five 335 and plays guard. So he needs a little bit of work on his body, little work on his conditioning, little work on his technique, but I love the guy. I want him in my room because I want that attitude and that finishing ability in the room as well.
4: Two of my favorite things about Greg Island is, He's always looking to help his teammates. You will never find a rep where he's not trying if he's uncovered to headhunt somebody. And two, I've never seen an offensive lineman knock down so many defenders doing the exact same thing over and over again. He just takes his six foot eight frame with his seven foot two wingspan and just drops a club like a tomahawk from above on the back of these guys back and knocks them to the ground consistently. It's so much fun to watch.
1: Uh, Craig, I just wanted to let you know, did, do you know who Greg Island's dad
3: is? Um, I believe, no, I don't. I, I was going to come up with something good, but the Galapagos. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, there is a
2: Galapagos
1: there's a lot of ways we could have gone with that. <laughs> Actually, I thought about going Gola Gola, but I didn't know if like enough people would know what that is. Uh, Maddie, why don't you, why, why don't you give us your, my guy? for
4: the week all right well my guy for this particular week is the number one prospect in this draft in my heart and that's offensive tackle tevin jenkins out of oklahoma state i mentioned him in the last segment about how you know he did get put down one time by ronnie perkins but you'd be hard-pressed to find more than one more rep from this past season where Tevin Jenkins did not get the better of the guy across from him. One of my favorite series of events is the Oklahoma State versus Texas game in which Tevin Jenkins takes Joseph Osai, projected first-round pick, known for his motor and his physicality, and drives him into the Texas bench and then plants him on the ground on a run play. The very next play, he clubs him to the ground and a pass rush rep. Two plays later, he pulls around the formation and catches Osai on the backside and pancakes him again, and he lets him know about it more and more after each play. That's the kind of guy Tevin Jenkins is. I do think he can play tackle at the next level. There's a lot of people that want to directly move him to guard. I think he could play tackle. You might not want to put him on an island on a team that runs a bunch of deep drops, and even then, he might figure it out. He takes really smart angles but if worse comes to worse, you just push him into guard and you get one of the better guards in the NFL. His physicality and his ability to take good angles the second level just make him an outstanding player. Right now, if I could make one dream pick for the Chiefs in the first round, it would be Tevin Jenkins at pick 31. Sorry, Greg, not 32. I think
2: he was I think he was letting us side know he's like, hey, man. I'm the only one out here that can block you on my team because no one else can. Cause that dude had like seven tackles for loss and three sacks in that game. And when those two would match up against each other, it was fun. And Jenkins got the better of them too. So it, uh, that that's, if you're just like looking for a casual game to go watch, that is a fun, fun game to watch that Oklahoma state, Texas game.
1: And it's rare. You get to say that about offensive line, but in the case of Craig and Maddie's guys, fun offensive line tape for both all three of all three of you guys pick some of my favorite players and now i get to talk about another fun offensive line and we've talked a little bit about already but i wanted to circle back to my guy david moore the offensive lineman out of grambling i think he's destined i think let me put it this way i think his best fit is center and we really didn't get a huge sample size of him playing center Uh, in college, especially, I mean, and he was at a a lower level, you know, uh, school anyway, but we got to see him play a little bit of center at, uh, the senior bowl. And we got a firsthand look at him and I believe he measured in a little bit under six one. He doesn't have the shortest arms at the senior bowl. I mean, he had more arm length and, and definitely more wingspan because he's so wide. Uh, but he had, you know, I mean, so he, he had adequate enough measurables and I I really liked wh- when the when they put the ball in his hand down in Mobile, um, he moves extremely well for a man his size. I mean the the man just, I mean his feet are constantly moving. He's a guy that you saw uh, get opportunities against the best competition he's ever faced at the Senior Bowl, and he dominated. He dominated some big level Power Five p- players um, throughout the entire week, put some guys in the dirt, but I really like his, his ability to move his feet. And I think he does a good job keeping his feet moving. Like that was a very impressive thing about him. Cause you don't see guys that big. Normally they're a lot heavier footed than that, but not him. Uh, it was really impressive to see that, but got really was able to get to the second level really well. Um, anchored extremely well against, you know, guys trying to play through power. And I think he got better throughout the week. Uh, I think there's some times where he does show a little bit of a lack of a balance and gets out over his skis at times. Maybe a little bit impatient, a little bit too aggressive at times. But like some of that stuff's clean uh, you can clean up. He's getting a lot of work uh, at, at center. It sounds like this off season, and he's definitely a guy. If the Chiefs don't address center before the draft, I think he's a guy you take a look at. I put a third round grade on him, and I'm really excited about the athletic profile, the projectability, um, and and the NFL ready size. I think I honestly think you know, what we saw at center, it wouldn't be out of the question to see him play day one. I wouldn't be stunned by that. All right, guys, you're lower on Jake. Give me a guy that you're lower on than the consensus. You seen him on the, you know, in the first round, you have seen him maybe a little bit higher than you would like.
2: Yeah, I think, um, a guy I'm going to, it's somewhat, uh, someone that I thought I would be higher on than I am after watching him. And that's Rashad Bateman, uh, the wide receiver out of Minnesota. It, I just don't I I talked about how I don't get the Diami Brown not in round one type stuff. And I I don't get the Bateman stuff in round one. When I when I watch him play, he is a big physical receiver, but I don't think he's gonna run better than like four six. I don't think he's a very fast guy. I don't know what he hangs his hat on at the next level. And you look at uh his teammate last year, Tyler Johnson ran probably similar to him. I like Tyler Johnson's tape better than I like Rashad Bateman's coming out of Minnesota, he was a six round draft. Pick. Um, so I I had a lot of expectations for him going into this year. And I think maybe that's why I'm a little bit soured on him is because, one, he switched his number to zero, which is terrible. Just a terrible aesthetic. And secondly, <laughs> so, so that's not actually why. But secondly, he just he didn't have I mean, he had kind of a weird year. You know, he taught he, t- he opted out, opted back in. And then ended up opting out the last couple of games again. So I, I don't really know where he was at, where his headspace was this last year. Maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, but he's a guy that, and I, and I don't want to say I don't like, you know, I don't want to say that at all. I do like Rashad Bateman. I just don't get the end of round one talk. Um, so when you're talking about, you know, the position I, you know, dove into the deepest so far is the wide receiver one. And I guess of all the guys I've watched and, Kind of just comparing my notes to what I think the consensus is. Rashad Bateman is definitely that guy that I'm just like, eh. I like him, but I don't love. Him. You know. Uh, speaking of guys that I like but don't love, Craig, you're kind of a kind of have a guy I kind of like on here that you're low on.
3: So when we were going to the Senior Bowl, um, there were a lot of mocks that were coming out that specific week from a lot of major media outlets that had a player in round one that we were about to see in the Senior Bowl. And that was UCF cornerback Aaron Robinson. And I was baffled by that, frankly. Aaron Robinson plays in the slot. He is 5'11". He is not particularly fast. He's probably like a mid-4, 5'40 guy. And he has 30-inch arms. Players with those measurables do not go in the first round of the NFL draft. They rarely go in the second round of the NFL draft. There's only two players since 2010 that have had 30-inch arms or less that have gone in the first two rounds of the NFL draft, and both of those guys ran four 340s. So it just doesn't typically happen. I was shocked by it. I don't dislike Aaron Robinson. He's just, because it's such a bad cornerback class, he's being elevated into the end of the first round often, in the early second round often, because there are needy teams that need cornerbacks. And so a lot of these major outlets are trying to figure out ways to get cornerbacks to those teams early. And Aaron Robinson became that kind of in vogue guy. We got to the senior bowl. He got one rep against Kadarius Toney, and the rest of the reps that he got were against slower slot type receivers not particularly good route runners not particularly fast guys he just really didn't get good matchups and I'm not sure if they were just trying to make sure that he didn't lose very many reps in these clearly slanted towards wide receiver drills but he didn't look particularly great I think that a lot of buzz died down after that but he was kind of getting elevated early there and I just didn't really see that at all
4: Two things I find kind of weird, right before Aaron Robinson was kind of getting this hype as this first-round potential nickel corner, you had Elijah Molden out of Washington getting the exact same hype, and then all of a sudden, that quietly went to the wayside, and that's no longer a thing. So then Aaron Robinson took his place, and then that, after the Senior Bowl, in which his teammate, Richie Grant, at safety and at corner really outperformed him across the board... (laughs)
3: <laughs> Vastly outperformed him. Yeah. Richie
4: Grit was awesome. He was. Legit good. And now Robinson's kind of fading off into the sunset. And now you're getting these other outside corners like Greg Newsome, not to be confused with Craig Newsome Jr. And like, you know, some other guys are just kind of coming out now as longer, more athletic corners and not these nickel guys. I just find it interesting to push for these nickel corners to be into first round contention. So my guy is safety. Linebacker, Maybe. I'm not sure what position he plays, and that's part of my problem. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame. I need someone to explain to me, like I'm five, how he plays on the field on rundowns, because I've yet to see him deconstruct a block. I've yet to see him really diagnose a block and then go out of his way to slip it. His entire goal in the run game is to chase runners down from behind, which he's good at because he's at athletic or to outrun the blocker to the spot which again he's good at because he's athletic but he gets in so much trouble anytime the run is near him anytime a lineman can climb vertically and just cut him off because it's not a long climb he just he has no capability to play against the run unless he has a clear path to chase down the ball carrier so he's a net negative in the run game he can't literally do anything You can't put him in the slot versus receivers. He doesn't have that kind of mobility. He's very athletic, but at 220 pounds, he is not going to be able to go out there and run with Tyree Kill on a vertical route. He's not going to stop any slot receiver in the NFL from running a whip route. He's very versatile. I get the concept. I just don't see where you push him into a top 20 pick and get that much bang for your buck when you have a guy that's average or less than average in both facets of the game compared to other guys that play those particular roles better.
1: All right. My guy is Carlos Basham, uh, also known as Boogie Basham. And here's the, here's the weird part about all this. When I came away from the senior bowl, I actually had a higher opinion of Carlos Basham, Boogie Basham. After I was there, I actually think he did a good job helping himself. I've seen him in the round one conversation a lot. uh, And I don't know if I totally get that. Um, especially as a, just as an edge player. The reason I was so impressed with Boogie Basham was uh, when his, with his interior reps. He was a guy that I thought did a lot better um, in along the interior than he did on the edge. And a lot of my concerns uh, about Boogie Basham exist where he will play on early downs, most likely on the edge. Uh, if he was drafted in Kansas City, he'd play off the edge. Um, I think he's got a very average first step. I think he's pretty stiff. Uh, I don't think he can really turn. Um, and I just, I, the measurables on him, like, I mean, he, I think he actually, you know, he's a power player. I think, like, ultimately, and I think one thing that has changed in my opinion from when I first watched him to the Senior Bowl is I do think he actually plays with more power. And I think that's evidenced by what he was able to do along the interior. But I, I mean, that's great and all, but, like, I don't see any discernible pass rush plan that I'm excited about with him. That's gonna give me, uh, you know, optimism that he's gonna be able to win on the edge. So if all all he is is an early down, you know, player that's gonna kick inside and maybe provide you a little bit of juice along the interior. Like, there's definitely some value that specifically in Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. So, I mean, probably gonna have to get used to the Chiefs trading up for him, I guess, in the first round because that's how these these, these things typically work. Um, <clears throat> but I I put a I think I put a, a round three grade on him, a late or an, or an early or a late round three or maybe even an early round four on him. Uh, at this range, and that's a guy that I mean, I, if you're looking for a guy that's gonna just you know execute at a high level, you're gonna look for a guy that you know he's gonna be disciplined in his gap, he's gonna play the run well, he's gonna give outstanding effort, like that's your guy. But the measurables from a density and length perspective are great. The the physical attributes I don't think align with the physical like you know perception of him, like how how big he is. So. I think he's more of a role player, maybe a late day 3 guy I'd be excited about him, but anything before that I'm probably going to have my questions. All right. That is going to do it for the AP Draft Show. It's been a lot of fun. It was good to be around everybody again. Um I had I had, I had a lot of fun coming up with the with the dads for all these guys. That might need to stick. That might need to come back. But uh, that's going to do it for the first episode of the AP Draft Show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you later.
3: I forgot the third guy that was a cornerback that had under 30-inch arms and ran slowly. Damon Arnett, first-round draft pick by the Raiders.